Oh, the press always needs angles for things. So they just really picked up on the queer aspects of my songwriting. And then that's actually how I really came out. This is In The Key Of Q, featuring musicians from around the world who inspire my queer identity. Everybody is welcome to the conversation, whatever beautiful identity pleases you. Music helps us feel connected and know that we are not alone. This program is made possible thanks to the financial support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dan Hall. Tune in and be heard. This week's guest hails from Toronto in Canada. He's a singer-songwriter, drag artist, DJ, and makeup artist. He has released seven full-length albums with various bands, including Light Fires and Regina Gently. A former member of the group Hidden Cameras, Reg has also sung with Broken Social Scene and Owen Pallet. Intriguingly, he also had a cameo in the film Short Bus, which this year sees a re-release. A big welcome, here at In the Key of Q, to Gentleman Reg. Reg, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. There was this one time I went into a blind Seeking satisfaction And it didn't seem to mind Sometimes they're like that No need for facts Already forgot your name So you just write it on the back of my My parents are actually both singers, um, so they sing barbershop. Uh, so that's what got me singing. Um, there's a lot of piano players in my family. Um, so yeah, there was just music growing up. And then, you know, music lessons starting at age five forever. And, um, and then when I was a teenager, I started writing songs myself. So what did the five-year-old you think of being thrust into music training? Um, I don't think I was too happy about it. It was, uh, I was living in Germany, actually, when I was a little kid. Um, we had like a military sort of upbringing, so I moved around quite a bit. Um, and I was five, and I was a little bit of a slow-developed child. So, yeah, I was not ready for it at five. I'll just say that. Um, so the piano lessons didn't last too long, but then I subsequently, you know, took them again and again and again, and I took accordion and saxophone and drums and guitar. And I just kind of like floated around, see what, see what would fit. So can you remember at what point music stopped being something that was just around in your life and started to be something which you were drawn towards and you wanted to create? Yeah, that was in high school for sure. You know, there was definitely a period when when indie music sort of started to get on my radar and sort of grunge and like singer-songwriters. Um, and when I realized that anyone could play music, you know, there was sort of, I always just sort of thought like, oh, you know, 
it's Madonna or <laughs> it's like Prince. Like those are the people that can make music. And then I realized like, oh no, it's, you know, then there's like Elliot Smith and Liz Fair and um, like Riot Girl movement, like all these things in high school sort of, sort of came into my radar. And, and so I just dipped my toes in and started a little folk duo with my lesbian bestie. She was the only out well, I was going to say out lesbian. She was the only out queer person at all in my huge high school. Was there a point at which suddenly you thought, I don't want to stop doing this this music thing and, and spend my time being an accountant. I actually want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I moved to this little town called Guelph, which is like an hour from Toronto. Um which is, you know, Toronto is one of the biggest cities in Canada. So I lived like an hour away from there. And, um, and it was just a mute. There was so much music there. There, there was a really popular music festival there every summer um, called Hillside. And I don't know, at that time, there was just this synergy where like, bands would come through and they would play Guelph. Like it was sort of a stop for some reason. And there was a really intensely healthy, like indie punk rock um, culture. So, you know, kids throwing shows. So you would, you know, rent a room, rent a PA, make flyers, charge $5 and like, and like eight bands would play or something. Um, and that would happen like every weekend. And, you know, there, we had this music festival every summer. So it was like every young person's goal to be like, oh, I'm going to play Hillside, the music festival. So, you know, there were sort of like these small ambitions, but they were enough to sort of drive you and like, and, you know, get you to like record. And at one point I put together this compilation. Um, it was called The Goods. And it was a compilation of like, 15 local bands um and we each submitted a song and i put it on you know it was on a cd and like that at the time that was a big deal like it felt like more professional than the cassettes we'd been putting out um and so that was really an eye-opener for a lot of us because it was like oh we can you know we can be on a on a cd and like and have like release shows just like just like these other bands So you performed in a number of bands across the years, and now you release content under two different guises. That's Regina Gently, this great synthy dance music, and also the slightly more acoustic, a little bit more peaceful Gentleman Reg. You know, I'd sort of been doing the band thing for like a dozen years or whatever. Um, I played in the Hidden Cameras for many years. Um and sang with a lot of other bands. So even when I wasn't just doing my own thing, I was like always sort of on the road with someone or, or singing guest vocals with someone. 
And then, yeah, it just, I just thought, you know what? I don't, I don't want to just start another band. I want to do something totally different. So that's kind of when, when I started Light Fires, that was sort of the electro indie dance project. And then I also started doing drag at that exact same time. And then I just meshed the drag with the, um, indie dance project light fires and then um yeah and then it felt like wow okay this is what i want to do i want to be like a different person i want to be you know at this persona like that nobody even recognizes like for years nobody even knew that like in toronto at least that it was me um because i just looked so different and is it freeing as an artist to have more than one persona in that way that many authors, if they're stepping outside the genre that they're known for, they will often publish under a pseudonym. It was just a way for me to break um, clean from sort of the past and 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 what um, people knew of me, thought of me, what um, what I thought of myself. Like I didn't even know I I, I could do this persona until I did. I, I have a one woman show for my drag persona that I wrote in 2014 and I'm actually now working on it again. I am, you know, trying to explore different things all the time. I also DJ, but yeah, everything sort of seems to like hover around music. I can't quite let go of that. I've been known to be an albino, <laughs> even though I'm not, but I kind of grew up um, with everyone thinking that I was an albino and um, having a, an obsession with my hair. So that's a funny thing to do, you know, grow up as a kid and um, old ladies want to touch your hair and... Other kids make fun of you because of your hair. And then at some point you're cool because of your hair. Um, yeah, I sort of always had this weird identity with like my, um, with how I looked. I was kind of this shy, effeminate kid that like played with Barbies and dressed up. But then, yeah, I was always being drawn to like performing and, and there was always like attention on me for things. So from an early age, you were aware of your otherness? Yeah, because of other people, which is always interesting. My dad was in the military um, as a pilot. So we would move every two to four years, we would move. Um, and yeah, born in Canada, but then moved to Germany 
uh, for four years and then back to Canada. So the rest of my life was in Canada. Do you feel that you were missing something by always moving around and not managing to lay down these roots? Or is it not really possible to miss what you don't know? It's definitely hard as a kid to to do that. But then as an adult, I sort of appreciate that I did that. So it's sort of like in retrospect, it's like, yeah, I'm so glad I, I lived in Germany. I love traveling. And then just in general, I love seeing the world. So, you know, I think it's it's like, it's good and bad. I, I, I don't know what my life would be like if I had just lived in one home. You talked about it was other people that made you aware of your otherness. I think it's other people who make, in a way, make us realize that we're gay because we know that we're gay, but what other people do is make us realize that we are different. Oh, you know, it's funny. I just thought of this. I mean, I used to, I definitely used to like play with Barbies and I used to dress up as like one of the Charlie's Angels. Um, you know, I, I definitely was always different. But I do have this distinct memory of painting um, my nails, like my fingernails and my toenails. Um, and I have this memory of my of being in the pool, like swimming, which is always like semi-traumatic when you're like a gay kid. And my toenails were painted and I have this distinct memory of like, you know, all these adult men like laughing at me. Um, for having painted toenails. And then I was just like, so, you know, realized like, oh my God, I shouldn't have painted toenails. And what was the point at which you decided to come out yourself? What was that tipping point? Well, that was, um, with music really. Um, yeah. When I was fully doing music and putting out albums, um, I started to get uh, quite a bit of attention, like in the early 2000s. Of course, you know, the press always needs angles for things and stories and hooks and headlines. So, so they just really picked up on the queer aspects of my songwriting. And then that's actually how I really came out was like through doing press for my album, which is kind of crazy. And how did uh, that go down in the family? Um, it did not go well. Um, yeah, it, it didn't go well at all. Um, partially because of the way that it happened. And then, yeah, just everyone was so surprised. <laughs> boyfriend, boyfriend, where are you? I ain't got no money, man. I ain't got no boyfriend. Boyfriend, boyfriend, where are you? I ain't got no money. Tell me how to grow into what you know Skip past all the quiet months of shyness that I hold Formalities be stashed, I've no use for that Seems that it has snuck up to attack At that time, like the early 2000s, um, I fell into the pretty alternative queer scene. Um... So I, I was in Toronto. I had my band. I had joined the Hidden Cameras, who were quite big at that 
time, like 2001, 2002. Um, and there was this party called Vaseline put on by Will Monroe, who was, you know, this icon. He, he's passed away, but he was, yeah, this amazing queer artist and DJ and promoter. And, and yeah, and Vaseline, I mean, it was like, groundbreaking like this it was this underground queer party that he brought in oh my god like peaches did one of her first shows there he brought in the gossip um la tigra uh the organ like just so many bands like early 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 you know before any of them had broke and and it was huge. Like it was for, for Toronto, it was, you know, six, 700 people at these parties, which is like really big for us. It was like so mixed. I mean, that's what was interesting about Vaseline and is almost like hard to find now. Like I, f I feel mm. like that was like a time and a place and then it ended and it, I don't think it's ever been fully recreated even. No, we had a very good alternative queer scene here in London in the 1990s and running into the 2000s. We had, you know, indie music was huge. There were places like pop stars and ghetto, all of which are long gone. Queer core was a thing with this very edgy uh, gay punk movement. And it feels like it's all vanished. I don't know whether it's vanished because I'm 48 and I don't have the finger on the pulse anymore. But it just feels like everything is dissolved into apps and mediocre bars. Yes, I know what you mean. After we finished recording this episode, I pull it into the edit and chop us down here and there, take out some mistakes and nip and tuck our voices. But I'm not going to do that for the next two or so minutes. For the next couple of minutes, the platform is all yours to speak about anything that you would like. It could be something we've already spoken about or something that it's just popped into your head right now, apropos of absolutely nothing. Oh, wow. So here's your two or so minutes to let your voice be heard. <laughs> um... Wow. So many things I could talk about. Um, you know, something that um, not a lot of, I feel like not a lot of people I know are into or got into is I really embraced online performing and um, all things um, online during the pandemic. Um, I sort of had to I had no choice, but doing drag, DJing, being a performer, you know, when everything shut down, I just thought I um, can't just not perform for, you know, however long this is going to last. So I really started to explore like Instagram Live and uh, Twitch and um, and had an amazing time with it and realized there was this whole other world, um, specifically on Twitch and a lot of queers, a lot of drag, a lot of music. Um, it was kind of fascinating to realize like, um, and talking about, you know, alternative spaces and stuff shutting down. I mean, 
hopefully that never totally goes away. But um, it was interesting to find that um, a lot of these things exist online in these places that I had never looked and never thought. Um, yeah, I just I wouldn't have ever thought it was for me to have like a dance party online. But then the more I was DJing online, I realized, oh, some of these people who are coming to watch me, you know, they wouldn't normally go to a bar or maybe they don't drink or maybe they have like social anxieties or accessibility issues or, I mean, there's just so many things that um, I thought yeah, we're unique about, about that experience. And so I'm still, I'm not doing it as intently as I was, but yeah, I'm still DJing, um, on Twitch and trying to explore these other avenues. And I have, um, other friends doing the same thing. And that was just a little pandemic realization that I (laughs) came to that I would share. Welcome back to Now, the podcast celebrating the variously compiled world of pop. A variety of fabulous guests and I explore favourite compilation albums, as well as considering how these collections shaped pop culture and now fondly stand as time capsules for our own musical and life milestones. It was a great time to be a pop fan, discovering music and discovering life, really. This is where the memories were made, I suppose. Well done, the compilers of <laughs> music, you know. Um, I'm sure they'll go on to every success. Please follow the show through your favourite podcast provider and join in with me, Ian, on the Pop Rambler Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. You spoke earlier about being a, an effeminate kid with your amazing white blonde hair and being a little bit the other all your life. What would your words of wisdom be to anyone listening to this who thinks, I can absolutely identify with that right now? Oh my God. You just need to um, try and not listen to other people, the other voices. Um, You need to trust your instincts and you know, when it's young, when you're young, it's, you don't necessarily have those instincts developed, um, or you don't necessarily know who you are. But, um, yeah, every time I sort of tried something new or changed or did something terrifying or scary, even if, even when I was like, become like having a folk duo in high school. I mean, I was painfully shy at the time. So singing these songs 
you know, I, I had to be forced to do it the first time. Um, but now, I mean, now I'm like a stage whore, you know, you can hardly get me off if I'm like on, you know, on a roll. But, you know, that only happened because I just tried and like took those leaps. What does it feel like when you get on stage? It's funny. I fit into that category of I actually feel more comfortable on stage than I do off stage. Um, you know, it's sort of like the shy, introverted person and then the full on extroverted performer uh, on stage. And um, yeah, something sort of unlocks in me and the filters come down and I just feel like more free to sort of express myself. That is curious because one would imagine getting on stage is the point at which the mask goes on rather than comes off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm performing now. And then when I'm on stage, that's the real me. I have no idea. It's the color. Now then, Reg, what do you think your 15-year-old self would think of you? Um, I think they'd be pretty proud. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they would be probably, God, what would they think? Yeah, I mean, back then it was just like this idea of like, oh, can I, you know, can I be in a band? Can I write a song that, that people like? And now it's sort of, um, I can't imagine never, you know, not doing that. So I think the 15 year old would, yeah, would think I'm pretty awesome. Now this podcast is about introducing people to queer music and queer artists. Handing the baton on, who are you listening to at the moment? I was just listening to Owen Pallett the other day. He is, full disclaimer, a good friend of mine <laughs> um, and an ex-band mate and boyfriend. But um, yeah, he put, in a, he put out a record called Island in, uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, so many friends. My friend's Land of Talk from Montreal. Um, great uh, indie rock band, female singer Lizzie. Um, they just put out an EP and a record just before the pandemic. Now then, Reg, where can we find you online? I do have Gentleman Reg um, Instagrams and Twitter and Bandcamp. And then I have Regina Gently Instagrams and Twitter and Bandcamp. And, um, and then I also have a Lightfires record, which is its own thing. 
so yeah, on I'm my music's out there. Bandcamp is is the lovely place that we like to promote because it actually pays us. But um, you know, Spotify, iTunes, um, whatever, whatever you guys use. And it's funny we're talking about this because I'm gonna put out some uh, Gentleman Reg B sides and remixes and stuff this year. That's stuff you know that I recorded way back when and um and i'm gonna release that soon just to uh get it off my laptop basically I like to ask our guests, do they have a gateway song that they feel would act as a perfect introduction to their catalogue, especially for the new listener who's just coming in? Bearing that in mind, what song of yours would you choose as your gateway for us and why? Uh, I would choose a song called We're in a Thunderstorm. It's from my album Jet Black, which was my... The one album that was on a pretty big label, um, so got a decent push um, via grant money, Canadian grant money. Um, Yeah, so it's sort of like more well-known. It got a little bit of CBC radio play, so you may know it. So I choose that. It has a little bit more of a new wave um dance vibe to it than some of my more indie rock stuff but it's very much my style of singing my vocals very catchy um the chorus has the line i'm going to dress myself up and run around which was um I guess foreshadowing my <laughs> my life as a drag queen as well. Um, but um, yeah, there's just something about that song that people seem to respond to. Um, so that's why I'm choosing it. It was always a song we would play near the end of our sets live and it has a bit more of a dance feel and an, and an upbeat tempo and a more outward looking um lyrics so i think there's you know an accessibility to that track
Gentlemen, Reg, thank you so much for sharing with us your music and your story here at In the Key of Q. It's been lovely to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support In the Key of Q via Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by Paul Lee Nidu at UnstoppableMonsters.com with press and PR by Paul Smith. Help others discover new queer musicians by rating and reviewing In the Key of Q wherever you find podcasts. Thanks to Catch and Murray for their continued support and to you for subscribing. The show is made at Puck Media. I'm Dan Hall. Go listen to some music, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Dead Method is our next episode's guest on In the Key of Q. I was 11 years old. My best friend asked me if I had a crush on anyone, and I confided in them that I was gay literally the next day it was like a witch hunt basically everyone had teamed up and they were all following me around the school pretty much all day that's dead method next time on in the key of q